She's the first woman and the first woman of color ever to serve as Chicago Sun-Times executive editor. She's facing challenges like none before her as the newspaper comes under the control of an organization primarily in the radio business. And we may owe it all to a Saturday morning cartoon. I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was young and and, and, and love April O'Neil, which I now know, you know, she's not maybe the best model for, for journalism. But the truth is, I saw this like woman, though she was a cartoon, doing this job and, and being able to kind of like talk to all different kinds of people or and turtles um, and, and, and also loved her yellow jumpsuit and, and just wanted to do that. That's Jennifer Coe, a digital media consultant, researcher, strategist and writer who joins the Sun-Times at a critical point in the evolution of the news business. She's also my friend. I'm Sheila Solomon, Rivet360, and this is Chicago Media Talks, a show in which people in Chicago media talk about Chicago media. This show is recorded live on Twitter Spaces July 11, 2022. Now here's my co-host, my friend, Rivet360 colleague and ChicagoPublicSquare.com publisher Charlie Meyerson. Jennifer, welcome. As I read your resume, you have never led a daily newspaper organization before. How did you get this job leading Illinois' second most widely circulated daily newspaper? Well, in some ways, I guess I was just, I was lucky. <laughs> but um, I also have been the managing editor of The Guardian in the U.S. and HuffPost. And then I um, started my career in newspapers as well as a reporter the Guardian does have a, um, a a daily paper in the UK. So yeah, so I guess I've been around papers a lot, but yes, it's true. I have not run a daily newspaper before. So I guess they were just looking for certain skills um, and they found them uh, in me and in my resume. It's an interesting time. I mean, you're joining the Sun-Times when it has become owned by Chicago Public Media, which is the parent company of WBEZ Radio. What do you see as the role of executive editor at the Sun-Times? Well, I think it's about, you know, leading the newsroom of the Sun-Times, helping to figure out, you know, um, what the vision will be, the direction um, will be for the Sun-Times, and then also helping to figure out, like, the best ways of collaborating and working together with our colleagues um, and our new sister publications. So Jen, are there five things on your to-do list, your newsroom to-do list that you can share with us? Sheila, I have seven pages on my legal pad. (laughs) So so we're gonna get five out of there, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and actually I have like eight um, that I have recently presented to the newsroom, so. One thing I want to do is define and clarify our identity. I want to figure out how to, you know, grow our editorial distinctiveness um, and and expand our coverage. Um, I really want to figure out how to grow and serve loyal, diverse audiences who actually want to spend time with us every day. Um, improve diversity, equity, inclusion, both you know internally and externally, and in our sourcing, and also in terms of the audiences we serve. Um, develop our employees, growing staff engagement and retention. Um, and then future-proof their newsroom. So, Jen, you started here in June, just as Illinois voters were about to go to the polls. Take us through how you were planning for handling an election, meeting staff, editing stories, and finding a place to live. I probably missed some things you were doing, but <laughs> I'll stop there. Yeah, well, luckily, there's a great staff 
you know, already there. So it's not like I was starting from scratch. They had already started working out a plan for the election. So I did help to kind of like weigh in, figure out, you know, how we're going to handle election night. But luckily, this was not something that I was doing uh, from scratch because I'm new to Illinois. And I don't think it would have made sense for, you know, me to try to weigh in on something that I was relatively new at when we have an amazing staff that already has been covering this for a long time. So in terms of that, um, what I did was I came in, I started, I set up um, a lot of one-to-ones. I asked, offered one-on-ones with everyone in the newsroom and and started to really understand kind of what did pe- other people see in the newsroom as the biggest kind of um, goals and challenges that we should be pursuing. And these goals are entirely based on what they told me. And then, you know, of course, there were some things that happened, you know, Roe versus Wade, <laughs> getting overturned, the elections, and then of course the Highland Park shooting. So there was a lot of like, you know, actual news happening too. And so having to kind of figure out how we're going to kind of coordinate that stuff, how we're going to distinguish that coverage, how can we kind of set up a sort of immediate kind of SOS plan to kind of shore up the newsroom and stuff while I'm kind of not fully there. And then also look for um, a place. So luckily my my husband took on <laughs> a lot of the duties of, of looking for a new place. And and then when he had found some options, I did go and and see them. Uh, So I I did manage to kind of get all of that done. Yeah. In the three and a half weeks when I was in Chicago. So you're building or rebuilding the airplane mid-flight pretty clearly. That's a, that's a tough job for anybody. Right. (laughs) Jen has lots of experience in the digital world at the Huffington Post and the Guardian, among other places. How does what you experienced in roles like that inform what you see ahead for this traditionally print organization, the Sun-Times? I think part of this is being totally aware of like what I know and what I don't know. Um, And, you know, being helpful enough to ask people who are experts at this um, within the newsroom and externally too, like, well, what are things that we could be doing better? But the other part of it is that, you know, the print operation has been running well, and, and in fact, subscriptions are up um, and everything. And, and so I think part of why, I mean, I guess part of why I was hired was because of the digital experience that I bring. And because people see that as a big opportunity, um, I, I know that kind of that's where I have a lot of experience. And so I'm obviously putting a lot of thought into the, there and my own expertise in there. And then I'm spending a lot of time trying to get to know the parts that I don't know and understand like what do the people who have been doing those roles and the people who have been consuming that product to actually want. And so I think the part of what I bring to the table here from my previous roles is a real focus on kind of audiences, both the current audiences that an organization serves and the prospective audiences that an uh, organization wants to serve. And I think that that's a big part, again, of how I envision um, sort of my role and what I want to do at, at the Sun Times, sort of making sure that we understand more and have many more different pathways for feedback and things like that with between the community and the newsroom, and then finding a way to instill those voices directly into the editorial uh, vision and strategy and the day-to-day work. Um, and so I, I think that is actually the same kind of regardless of the medium. Um, I think it's really important to actually serve the community and to be part of the pulse of that, you know, to really understand what people like and don't like and want and don't want from you and do the best that you can, you know, based on centering that audience and the community. 
I got a question uh, in advance from uh, an ex-member of the Sun-Times team who who is curious, and and this is sort of a follow-up to what you just said. I'm quoting here. Newspapers are a dying industry. What's the most radical idea that you would consider? Uh, um, Really, everything's on the table at this point. You know, um, as I said, I... I really want to be basing these ideas on what the community actually needs and how we can best serve um, the community that we're in. So I haven't done a listening tour yet, um, but I am planning on, you know, really connecting with different parts of the community, um, all different types of, you know, hoping to, you know, talk to different potential community partners, you know, appear at different events, go to different neighborhoods, all of that stuff, you know, with people, other people in the newsroom to really hear what it is that people want. And then we'll do starting the brainstorm from a place of what is it that our actual goals are in terms of serving a community? What do, do people actually want to hear from us? So I guess I'm, I'm open to quite, you know, to lots of different radical ideas, uh, but I, it's hard to know what the most radical thing is that I will accept at this point um, because uh, we haven't had the chance yet to even hear from the people that I want to be centering this work in, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, I'll press you just a little more. Can you toss out maybe like one radical idea that that you think is worth discussing? Well, I mean, I I think actually basing our editorial strategy on the community and audience needs is a radical idea that could change almost everything about how the journalism is done. Um, I I mean, right now, there's not many ways for um, people to tell us to interact with, with the journalists, right? We have, I mean, reporters will go out and find sources and stuff like that. Um, and we do have um, a kind of question of the day on Facebook and we have people can write a letter to the editor. But I would say, you know, at The Guardian and at HuffPost, I worked on a lot of um, different projects that really helped to get these voices into the newsroom every day, you know, such as like we had comments, right? We have lots of events and meetings where people can just openly talk to us, Um and it's like a two-way conversation and not like, you know, like a webinar or something like that. That's more one way. Um, and we also kind of had a, like, we were working on like sentiment trackers and things like that to see how people feel about different content. Um, we had obviously membership um, that was really focused on kind of, again, lots and lots of different points of feedback. So I think there there's so many different ways this could go. Um, but I really want to base it on, you know, how do people actually want to communicate with us? and make sure that they have an opportunity to be part of our strategy and part of, you know, our, our storytelling. What do you think about something that I know has been a thorny issue for, for many news organizations around the country? What do you think about staff members engaging with one another and with readers on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, social media is, a you know, a huge, probably the top way, right, that digital audiences are getting their news today. So I do think it's important to engage um, with audiences on Twitter. You'll see I there was a um, editor's note that I wrote last week about why we decided to use a photo. And I was also engaging with our audiences on Twitter and Facebook about that. Any, any kind of channels that we have to kind of get more information about what the community wants and to have this communication is, I think, a good thing. I think... Um, the the issue sometimes comes when there's something that happens quickly that's really timely and people don't have a chance to really think about what it is that they want to be communicating and how they want to be engaging. But uh, so of course all communication can be problematic. But I think if it's done thoughtfully and intentionally, the the medium is not the main problem. 
Sheila and Jen, we have our first Twitter Spaces uh, audience member of the show joining us. Uh, let's uh, let's hear what the Sky Show Chicago has to say. Welcome. Who are you really? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Brian. Um, I'm actually a, a fan account for the Chicago Sky team. Yeah, I actually, I, I followed your account, uh, Jennifer, from, um, I think, a Twitter Spaces you held with uh, Annie Costable, who does uh, amazing coverage right. of the Sky for the Sun-Times. I know the sometimes it's been a big coverage piece for the Chicago Sky. Um, can you speak maybe more upon that? Uh, anything the, you kind of plan to grow with kind of the sports sector um, and kind of supporting the women's sports, um, kind of the movement that's all kind of really happening right now? When I um, was, was even just applying for this job and everything like that, one of the things that struck me is, of course, this amazing coverage by Annie um, about this guy. I think the fact that we cover the WNBA, um, we cover the women's sports, um, and we have like a regular a reporter who's beat that actually is and who's obviously um, so dedicated to covering it um, was, was really like a, a point of differentiation for us and like how we, as the Sun-Times, could stand out and kind of start to show um, the kind of equity we're trying to bring in to all of our coverage. So I'm definitely, it was like super excited to get to meet Annie and obviously to support the coverage of the sky. Again, we wanted to kind of make it a, a space, you know, use the, that that um, kind of audience and that uniqueness to sort of um, offer more opportunities for kind of two-way conversation and feedback, which is why we did our first kind of Twitter um, sort of uh, Twitter spaces um, experiment um, a few weeks ago when when the sky uh, were in LA. And so we're hoping to do, you know, a lot more of that. Speaking of sports, Jen, uh, the Sun-Times for months now has historically been running uh, on Saturdays, the sports section on the outside of the news section. A few weeks ago, uh, the Sun-Times reversed that. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into that decision? Yeah. So when um, we got the decision that, you know, wrote V. Wade had been overturned. Um, we were in an editor's meeting. Uh, we had obviously prepped for it, but didn't know what day that would happen. Now, Fridays are a particularly um, difficult day to make changes just because we have three newspapers, you know, to, to plan Saturday, Sunday, and Monday instead of just one. And we were also short staffed that day. So we were trying to figure out, well, what's the best we can do at this time? Where can we make the biggest impact and, and really help our readers understand the impact of this in Chicago and Illinois? Well, actually, a couple of people raised that, you know, the next day was Sports Saturday and we would normally have the wrapper and what could we do? So um, I, I spoke with Nakia, the CEO, and we um, called a meeting with circulation and people who um, kind of manage the the logistics of, of getting our paper to print and um, add um, head and, and everything. And we talked about what we could do about that. And everyone decided that we were able to, um, you know, put the sports wrapper on the inside for this historic day, since it was such an important decision and one of the most historic, you know, and important decisions probably in, in, in at least my lifetime on the Supreme Court. Coming up, the deal with Chicago Public Media, parent company of WBEZ, has given the Sun-Times a new lease on life. Want to hear the next episode of Chicago Media Talks live? We love to take audience questions, so follow us on Twitter to get notified when we record the show and even join the conversation. Jen, what went through your mind the first time you heard about Chicago Public Media buying the Sun Times? Oh, I, I thought it was very, very interesting. I was, I thought it made a lot of sense um, because of the, you know, different 
audiences. I was super, I think the first emotion was just kind of relief. You know, I was like, oh, this is so great that the Chicago Sun-Times will still be able to, you know, operate, thrive and, and get support. And it kind of made sense, a lot of sense to me in terms of the, the business model. So now that Sun-Times is no longer competing with Chicago Public Media and WBEZ, Who's your competition? There's a lot of competition in Chicago. Chicago is lucky to have not only, you know, two newspapers, the Trib as well, um, but also, you know, gets covered by a lot of other, you know, national organizations, you know, ProPublica's uh, also been active and other um, kind of places are starting to cover it. But also, you know, in, in term, what I've been finding is, is in a lot of the different neighborhoods, there are also, um, separate different local or hyper local publications um block club chicago obviously i'm obsessed with is is amazing uh, i think south side weekly is fantastic um i love tribe um i mean i i think there's just so many and there's there's so many publications actually in chicago that i haven't even started to you know been able to to start to get to know so i think there's a lot of i mean uh, different publications that at different times could be competitors but i'm also hoping could also be partners as part of the acquisition by Chicago Public Media, the Sun-Times is now a nonprofit organization. How does that change the newspaper or the and the website, the news organization, I should say, since the Sun-Times is more than just a paper? You know, I don't know. I don't know if that we figured that out yet, to be honest. Um, I think we're still working through all of that. But one of the immediate things that came to mind, at least, you know, as I was just entering into this role, is that we could focus you know, much more um, clearly, we could really prioritize impact, right? The impact on the community, that that seems like that could be the kind of top priority now, given that um, it's a it's a nonprofit, rather than uh, while, while, you know, fundraising and everything like that will always be important. Um, I think, you know, profit is not part of the picture. So, you know, it just makes it a little easier to really make sure, like, to, to get everyone focused on the same thing as our top priority, I think. Do you see the Sun-Times adopting the public broadcasting model? Hey, give us money. You know, not necessarily subscribe, not necessarily advertise, but just give us money to support us. Do you see a, a direct appeal along those lines coming from the Sun-Times? Well, this will be up to Nakia, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt Moog and the people at, at Chicago Public Media. Um, but I do think that, that it could definitely work. You know, um, as part of my role at The Guardian and at HuffPost, I was also involved in helping um, to move to that kind of a model in both of those places. And I think it can be very um, successful if you have an audience that is loyal um, and that actually, you know, community that that loves you. I think you have that audience here in Chicago. <laughs> um, I, I asked partly as a former news director of a radio station, WGN, that was co-owned with a newspaper, The Tribune. What opportunities and for that matter, challenges do you see ahead for uh, a newspaper and radio station melding their efforts, working together? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of advantages in that, you know, uh, first of all, just from the format, right, and the medium that we have experts now that we can tap who really understand the the format of audio. <laughs> um, not that we, you know, didn't have some people at the sometimes, but clearly BEZ has much more of that muscle and expertise and, you know, um, infrastructure, you know. I think we naturally have different paces that our newsrooms are um, – kind of accustomed to, to working in. And so, for instance, um, with the Highland Park shooting, we were able to connect right away, kind of exchange what we were thinking in terms of our um, 
you know, budget lines and, and, and figure out like where we could kind of differentiate. And I felt like it allowed us to do different things at the same pace, you know, like really report the kind of TikTok of what's happening right now and what do people really need to know right now? Like what, what parades are shut down? Like what is happening? Where's the shooter? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, at the same time as, you know, BEZ was putting together, starting to put together some of the um, analysis and everything um, that, that I think was really, really super smart as well. And then, of course, we also did some analysis, too, but we were able to kind of, I think, do more because we were co- collaborating and kind of um, combining efforts rather than, you know, trying to go after exactly the same stuff. I see more and more Suntime stories showing up on WBEZ's website which is free to all, as is public media's way, and more and more WBEZ reporting in the pages of the Sun-Times website, often behind a paywall. As these two organizations combine, who's deciding, how will the decisions be made regarding what's free and what's not on the web? Well, right now, it's just that we have two different models, right? And we still haven't figured out exactly how they're going to be sort of integrated and have not, you know, um, kind of taken some of those steps yet. But so right now it's just about like, well, we have different audiences. What thing, what kind of work do we think will also serve the, uh, the different audiences that we have? So if BEZ does something that we think um, at the same times that our audience should also know about this and would also appreciate this um, and it's additive, you know, to our coverage, like we have no problems bringing that over and offering more to our audience. Um, and then the vice, ver- vice versa, I believe is also true. And that's why you've kind of been seeing this now in terms of, um, figuring out like ultimately are we going to continue to charge and have a paywall again i think that's a conversation that is happening um but i mean I, while i think i have a voice in the decision it's not ultimately my decision i'm responsible for the editorial um and and then um, nikia who's the ceo would be responsible for the revenue and here's another question passed on from an ex suntimes team member what about resurrecting all the Sun-Times archives, many of which have disappeared in a series of website updates? Oh, I love this idea. Um, I think there's a lot of people who would really love to make the most of the content we already have um, and to be able to kind of reference it also, um, you know, as, as new things come up to add additional context. I think um, I haven't yet, you know, been able to f- figure out exactly what it would take to do this. And so I think it's really a matter of, you know, what can we actually accomplish in, in different, uh, certain periods of time um, to kind of get us there. So I don't actually know yet, you know, what it would actually take to do that, but I'm definitely for the idea. I love the idea of, um, you know, doing more with our archive and making it easier to kind of search and, and find stuff and to kind of like resurfacing um, historical content at the right time um, when, when there's like it, when it's relevant again, you know, which is, which is very often because, because everything has a reason, like how we got here is part of really almost every story or should be right. So yeah, love the idea. I met you a few years ago at the journalism and women's symposium conference, which is also known as JAWS camp. (laughs) What attracted you to journalism? I'll say I have two answers to this question and both are true. (laughs) One is that I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was young <laughs> and, and, and loved April O'Neil, which I now know, you know, she's not maybe the best model for, for journalism. It's, I, I wouldn't say that that's who I'd want to have been my role model. But the truth is, I saw that. I saw this, like, you know, uh, woman, though she was a cartoon, <laughs> 
doing this job and, and being able to kind of like talk to all different kinds of people or ant turtles. Um, and, 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 and also loved her yellow jumpsuit and, and just wanted to do that. Um, hey, you're but, not alone. You, you, me, uh, Peter Parker, Clark Kent. We, th- those are all inspirations for all great journalists as far as I'm concerned. Right. And so I have to be uh, honest and fess up to that. And then the other one um, is that, you know, my, our parents are immigrants from Indonesia and from the time I was really young, they told me about what it was like to grow up in a um, country that did, had not had free press when they were growing up. Um, my dad died when I was young, but um, he's, I still remember some of his stories about this, about what it was like um, and about the people who, you know, because because there wasn't a free press, um, who, who were sometimes disappeared for trying to do their jobs, including one of his friends. Um, so... It really stuck with me, you know, the the idea that if you don't have the information that we just take for granted about what's happening, it's actually really hard to make the best decisions for your own life, for your families, for your community. It's really hard to overstate the importance of that. And so, you know, it was something that I was already kind of, I guess, um, inclined to think of as, as really important work. And then and then and then I met, you know, April O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> You had a column published in May in which you wrote about the inequity of the job search. What are some of your ideas for addressing this issue as you look at hiring for the Sun-Times? You know, I actually, there's a, a, I have a piece coming out actually that talks about some of this stuff in Editor and Publisher. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm even trying to remember my own advice and having some trouble because I wrote it such a long time ago, but actually um, about how you can um, kind of make it a little bit easier for um, people to plan ahead. Um, some of this is like sharing interview questions in advance um, for job interviews. Some of it is being really much more flexible about kind of the timing of when, where if, if someone has a problem, you know, getting to it by a deadline that, you know, they have an opportunity to reach out and explain so that if, uh, you know, we could potentially be more flexible Um yeah, and then uh, and then also being really really aware of the kind of unpaid work that we're asking for as part of the application process, which was something that I ran into a lot myself as an applicant. Here's one more from an ex Sun Timeser. What are you doing to get up to speed on Chicago, its characters, and its issues? Well, I have a lot, a long way to go for that, and I, I do know that. I mean, part of what I've been doing is just talking to as many people as possible. You know, obviously, first of all, in the newsroom in the last uh, few weeks when I was. In Chicago, but also, you know, everyone that people want to introduce me to externally. I'm, I've been trying to, you know, read a lot, read all these different publications I can get my hands on, read a lot of books, um, including uh, one by Elie Bay, who I realize is uh, listening on here <laughs> today. Uh, he was nice enough to, to uh, give me a signed copy of his book. Um, and um, so I'm trying to do it all. I'm trying to just kind of cram every different way I can to get kind of historical perspectives, to kind of um, talk to people, you know, who live there now um, and and also, you know, get to know based on the expertise that's already in the newsroom, you know, about what matters um, to Chicagoans. But I know I do know, like I said, that I still have a lot, a lot to learn. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a constant, you know, lifelong <laughs> journey. I'm going to constantly wanting, be wanting to kind of keep my ears open, keep my eyes open and, and keep learning. Jen, I got to warn you as a newbie to Chicago, uh, pronunciations here are weird and Chicagoans can be, oh, let's say particular about them. And if you're up for it, 
and this is a little unfair because you're new to Chicago and you're, you're still getting settled here. I know I thought we might forearm you with a few of the region's more unusual names and pronunciations. Uh, in this case, picked from Rivet's staff training documentation. Full disclosure, I moved to Illinois when I was 13. No shortage of these messed me up early on in my radio career. So here's, <laughs> here's the deal. I'm going to spell them and you can either wow us with your knowledge uh, of what the late Chicago columnist Mike Royko called shyconics, or you can take <laughs> or you can take a pass, which is an honorable thing. Good journalists are, you know, are willing to admit they don't know what they don't know, and then they do their research and come back. You can take a pass, and then I will just give you the answer. So if you're ready, are you ready? Uh, I'm going to try these. I, I don't actually, I'm sure I won't know how to pronounce any of them from actual knowledge. So it's going to be kind of all guesses. Um, and also, I'm just, I'm actually not great at pronouncing things to begin with. So I think it's really important to, to know this. So I really appreciate your, your giving me this education. All right. Uh, this is a street on the north side of Chicago. Uh, D-E-V-O-N. You can, you can take a stab or you can take a pass. Well, I, I guess it's not pronounced Devin because otherwise you wouldn't have brought it up. Exactly. So I'm just going to guess divine. <laughs> Devon it is. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Here's one. H-O-N-O-R-E. This is another street. Wow. Well, I would pronounce it normally honore. Um, you would be correct. You should stop right oh, there. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. Clearly, These are all lucky guesses. You're in tune with Chicago already. Um, all right. Here's another. This is both a suburb and a street in the suburbs. L A space G R A N G E. And passing is an option. Lagrange. You are batting a thousand here. <laughs> all right. Now we get into the tough stuff. This is a street. This is a north-south street in Chicago. P-A-U-L-I-N-A. -A. So my instinct would be to pronounce it Pauline, but since you're asking me, maybe it's Paulina? You are very good. Chicago is embracing you right now. All right. Um, this is a neighborhood in Chicago. H-E-G-E-W-I-S-C-H. H-E-G-E-W-I-S-C-H. Uh, Hedgewick? Very close. Very close. It's a hard G. Hegwish. You're still doing outstandingly. This is the, all right, this is the, uh, the bonus point question. This is a street in Chicago on the north side. G-O-E-T-H-E. -E. Well, I know in German that's a Goethe. Um, goat? <laughs> very close. Very close. It's Gothi. Completely without any re rhyme or reason. Okay. All this right, is really have, good for me to know. You have done outstandingly in our pronunciation quiz, uh, far better than I think uh, we had a right to expect. And I think you're off to a great start here in Chicago. Closing thoughts, Sheila? Well, I have high expectations for how our communities are going to benefit from the Sun-Times and WBEZ teaming up with my friend at the helm. And I hope an eventual project, hint, hint, will have them joining other publications that have been writing about the history of systemic racism in their own newsrooms. Closing thoughts, Charlie? Well, as someone who's argued, going back to my days at the Tribune, that paywalls are counterproductive and short-sighted in an era when growing audience should be job number one, I'll be interested to see how the Sun-Times and WBEZ resolve the question of what should and should not be available free for all on the web. Jen, your closing thoughts. 
thank you so much for having me on here and for um, giving me such a great warm welcome, um, helping me uh, understand how to pronounce things and um, <laughs> in Chicago and also sharing your thoughts. I am definitely, you know, open to hearing all the time more often, you know, like how, how we can continue to be better, improve and, and, and be more inclusive. So thank you so much um, for all of this time and for, um, you know, this, this wonderful interview. Our guest on this edition of Chicago Media Talks has been Sun-Times Executive Editor Jennifer Coe, recorded live on Twitter Spaces July 11, 2022. You can reach Jen on the web at jkho at suntimes.com. You can find me at Sheila, S-H-E-I-L-A, at rivet360.com. And join Charlie Meyerson for a roundup of the news weekday mornings at chicagopublicsquare.com. For Charlie Meyerson, producer Jesse Patend, and everyone at Rivet360, thanks for listening to Chicago Media Talks. <laughs>